Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you are, you know, tired, irritated or you just need something or you need love then go down and have a hot dog <laughs> <laughs> it's, com- it's comfort food god i need a lot of, <laughs> lot of love in my life now that's so true so if you try can you turn yeah can you turn so this is a typical one i think if you see denmark in the 80s and this is when I grew up in Denmark. This is what I love about Denmark. And this is why I've never really moved away from Denmark. Hi, I'm Helen Holliman, Editor-in-Chief of Munchies, and welcome back to the final installment from our Copenhagen series of Munchies, the podcast. Today, we're super lucky to be talking to An Lee, chef extraordinaire and Denmark's unofficial ambassador for Vietnamese food. Okay, so you might not have heard of her, but An Lee is totally famous over here. She's got cookbooks, TV shows, and some of the most successful restaurants in the country. Whenever Vietnamese food comes up in the Danish media, An is your go-to expert, and she has this enduring mission to teach Danes the magic of fish sauce. Today, she's taking me to a grill bar similar to the one that she grew up working in. And we're going to swing by our house into our backyard garden to learn just how delicious Vietnamese via Scandinavia can actually be. Approximately 8,500 Vietnamese live in Denmark today. And in a country of nearly 6 million, that makes up about 0.001% of the population. Many Vietnamese found their way here in the wake of devastation following the Vietnam War. An was one of these refugees. Born in Vietnam while the worst of the conflict was still ongoing, her parents fled the threat of starvation and forced labor and made the treacherous journey across oceans in the late 1970s. The Danish have a specific name for these immigrants. They call them boat people. Her family initially settled in the northern reaches of Denmark and followed the tradition of so many immigrants worldwide. They saved everything they could, opened a restaurant, and began cooking really damn good food. But back then, Scandinavia wasn't ready for Vietnamese cuisine. So they opened what the locals called a grill bar, basically the quintessential Danish sausage stand. This is where An got her start in cooking, working with unfamiliar flavors in a new world completely away from home. Finally, in 2003, she and her family opened Lele in Copenhagen, a restaurant that serves up modern interpretations of her family's traditional food, and it matches the Vietnamese technique and flavor profiles with fresh Nordic produce and ingredients. It is absolutely delicious. It became very successful, and the food that she serves up there has endeared her with the hearts and the stomachs of the Danes. Wait, so what is the classic hot dog to get here? I would say that the one is uh, with uh, the red sauces. It's a really? classic, no, a classic for all the children in my age. When we grow up, we have the red sausage, Danish summer house, and the beach, 
uh, this is what I met I see Denmark. Can you remember when, remember when you first tried a Danish hot dog? That's Lars Hinnerskoff Eriksson, our Munchies Denmark editor. Yes, actually, uh, I was six years old. I arrived in Denmark when I was five and a half, uh, coming as boat people in '79, and then. We have this uh, contact family where they find a Danish family, very typical Danish family. And during summer, they take us or Christmas, they take them home and we learn to eat, you know, Danish old call, you know, the, the porridge, the sweet thing. Uh, and, and, and sauce is hot dog. So when I go to the summer house during the summer in Blokhus or Lurken in the north of Denmark, then they serve all these red sauces. And, and it looked very, very uh, poison. <laughs> I mean, it's very red. <laughs> But it tastes fantastic. There's a lot of umami in, in sauces with a lot of ketchup. Would you like the red hot dog for you? I'll have whatever you're having. Okay. Yeah. So you're going to do like a, a red hot dog, like a boiled red sausage in a yeah. hot dog? Yeah. Wow. I haven't had that for a long time. Yeah. But we should try. But what you don't know is actually I grew up in a grill bar for 17 years. When I was 12 years and my mother took educa- education, like uh, what I call kitchen assist- assistant. She couldn't find a job after, so she opened uh, this fast food grill bar that was actually 400 square meters. And I'm the best to make hot dog. <laughs> if you ask me to make 20 or 30, I can do that. And burgers, <laughs> french fries, all the fast food. And the fast food are actually the best when you need, you know, you have the needs. And from then, you add all the healthy things and then you change slowly. But there's always a time for fast food. Fourteen years ago, we start. I, oh, I, and my brother say that we want to teach the Danes how to eat Vietnamese. And everybody say you're crazy. Fish so smelling, and how can you put them to eat all the greens? Because fourteen years ago, when you get green, it's like a, a, a piece of parsley on your grilled beef, and that's it. Nothing else. So every day we were standing in front of customers for the first one year explaining how to put coriander, how to do fresh summer rolls, how to put uh, the, 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 the herbs on the salad and eat it. But we throw a lot away. But slowly it came and now most of the Danes know about Vietnamese food and herbs. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, for, I mean, I'm trying to think back sort of, we spent the last 10, 15 years talking about Nordic cooking and yeah. that's become a thing. Like people yeah. can relate to that. Yeah. But when you open up Lily, yeah. your restaurant, I can't think, I mean, I didn't live in Copenhagen at the time, but surely there was not much in terms of Vietnamese food there around. There was nothing. There was one, it's in the Norhound, and it's called Vietnam, but actually he made a bit Chinese food, and, and he made some Vietnamese, but not 100% like we did, like with fish sauce and all that. And the thing is that we thought, I mean, my brothers and I, we are actually quite passionate about, you know, we, we don't have any clue about restaurant. Except working in this grill bar, but but we just want people to eat Vietnamese and introduce the Vietnamese culture the way that we saw when we went back, and not the story about you know Vietnam War and all that. And somehow the Danes are actually very very much trendsetter, because you have uh, Thai food that's popular, Chinese and Japanese, and when Vietnamese food came, people were actually more than ready. But the problem was that at that time, 14 years ago, there was not a lot of social media. So it's like word by mouth. 
and people are telling and you have this different area where hipster coming and it was fantastic with hipster but you know now everybody you know like you say the woman who sell hot dogs she know about pesos <laughs> and I keep talking pesos you know and people say are you not stopping pesos and no I need to repeat it repeat it Vietnamese until you know it by heart like Italian food and now most people I mean no and and it takes a lot of work And you need to tell the same story again, and you need to make it positive, funny every time. And I still like it. But the thing is that the wave when we came is that green is healthy, and we ate a lot of green, so it's something natural for us. But now with all this sustainable, everybody thinking green, so we are still popular. But what I want to do is that I want them to eat more than green, not like juice, but herbs, putting herbs in everything. You know, herbs, 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 because herbs are much more healthy than green vegetables. There's a lot more vitamins, there are a lot of other things inside. And I want, I say like 14 years ago, I want people to be aware of Vietnamese food. But now I want everybody to be aware of Vietnamese food. Even I have to tell this story in English or in German or whatever. I want to repeat noodle salad, herbs, Vietnamese food, pho, as you know it. I mean, Vietnamese food is very popular in the United States now. And in London, it starts slowly. Mm. But the awareness is actually better in Scandinavian than in France and then in uh, what I call in Germany. It's just because you need to tell the story. You need to show. You you mentioned just there that you worked when you came here. You worked in a grill bar, which for the uninitiated is a very sort of traditional Danish fast food place with hot dogs, um, chips, fried food, and burgers and. That must have made you so skeptical and distrustful of food in this country. Not, not really, because you could say in this way, I was raised with Vietnamese food at home, and I know there was a lot of thing in it. And when I was 12, I read a lot of books, you know, about uh, Miller, Henry Miller, when he was in, in, in Paris, and when he described the food, French food. I already at that time ate oyster, caviar, truffle, or whatever, in the books, and I thought there's a world there. How can we get it here? And at that time, there was only agurka salad, cucumber salad, cabbage in Denmark during the 80s. Denmark have a crisis, so everybody was very poor, and and we didn't have a lot of choice. But I knew the taste was there. So how can we get it? And somehow my first first trip was actually to Washington D.C. I was out there in '92, and I went both to Washington D.C., New York at that time, and in L.A. And that was amazing. My first burritos, I mean, and and Jewish, uh, you know, kosher food was fantastic. All kind of food, and you see all this mixer, say. And at that time, during the '92, it was different than now. I say, if it's possible in the United States, it should be possible in Denmark. But how can you do that? But at that time, I was too young, so I went back, study, and went back to Vietnam. And I fought, and I worked in France as flight attendant for four years, <laughs> travel all over the Europe. And I say I want Vietnam to come to Scandinavia. Um, your sort of relationship with Vietnamese food and your points of reference in terms of spices, dishes was that built up before? You came to Denmark when you were a child. No, because I was actually a very, very uh, difficult child concerned f- food. I was very what I call uh, crazy, uh, picky, and uh, I ate the same ten dishes that would say the Danish Leopold's diet, or even rice and and salty meat and vegetables, and that's it. 
I never had a dairy product. I didn't like it. It was too fat. I didn't like sweet things. And I actually discovered food, and that's very beautiful. Uh, I, I knew all the tastes. My mother said, this is serving, and you eat it or not. But my fascination for food actually started when I came to United States. And there's all these choices. I mean, I never saw so many multiple culture in one place and different food. And somehow I was very obsessed by food, even though I didn't eat it. And it's, I think each food has its own culture. And I think when growing up in Denmark and see all the things. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. On hair, blue eyes, and I was different in a small country. So I thought I was looking for my roots, but I couldn't find it, and I couldn't find any stories in Vietnam because there was no book about Vietnam. So in United States, I saw all these different people. Some look like me, some look different, but they have darker skin, they have different colors, and not only, you know, white people. Like we see in Denmark, there wasn't white people. I mean, you don't even see a, a black person in the north of Denmark when I was young. <laughs> so I was so fascinated. And then the taste of the food is amazing. And I have a very, uh, I can smell things very strong and I can taste things very strong. So I realized when I came to United States that all this color, all this food was amazing. And I started to eat. And in six months, I gained like 12 kilo for a small Asian girl. <laughs> and then I came back to Denmark and said, well, the world is full of a lot of things. So I decided I want to travel. So I choose all my next travel was in Vietnam. I thought I need to find my roots. And that was then I discovered Vietnamese kitchen in all its shape. In 95, I went back for three months and stayed there for two years. And, and you're you saying before that you, you knew you had oysters, you had truffles, <laughs> but you didn't really, but you yeah. got it through the Henry Miller books. Books, exactly. Which you found in the local library. Yeah, yeah. and that was beautiful because in many ways in Denmark, you had a lot of things, that's the welfare system. And, and this is why I love Denmark so much in the good and bad shape, but mostly all the good things. And there is opportunities. Maybe people don't see it, but if you have been in a poor country with war or different, you realize and you appreciate much more. So for me, uh, I saw I was different. I couldn't understand. I went through a trauma that I didn't know I had because I saw a lot of pirates. I saw people who got, you know, killed and different things during this uh, two weeks on, actually more than two weeks on boat, and a lot of hard things that a child should not see. And I didn't know I have all these sorrows in me. But I hide myself uh, in the library and reading all these stories. And the librarians, they told me, you know, this book are not for you. You are too, too young. But I keep reading and they actually, at the end, they found books for me and said, you should read this and this. And I actually vacuum all the libraries in for the books about, you know, all the cultures. And Henry Miller hit me, especially with the story when he was in Paris with Anin. And when he went with no money, when he had money, he just ate food. But another thing is that many other books, when they wrote, when they wrote about food, is so amazing. 
Tell me about the first meal that you had when you returned to Vietnam and how did it make you feel? So my, I went to Vietnam and I, my aunt, my mother's sister, she took me on the motorbike. I was sitting behind and saw all this, you know, noise with the motorbike. And at that time, Vietnam just opened, so people were very poor, and they can spot that I'm not a local Vietnamese, the way I dress, the way I talk. It's not like I'm bling bling, you know, shining, but I just walk different and talk different. And uh, she brought me to this breakfast place where she have, um, where you either have uh, the noodle soup for breakfast, and then you have this uh, fried eggs, the Vietnamese French way, where you have the pate homemade, you have the sauces, you have the chili sauce, you have a green salad with a lot of herbs and tomato. And she say, what do you want? And I say, what is good? And she say, both of them. So I say, well, I want both of them. So the first one was the noodle soup that came in, a big bowl of noodles, uh, cooked on shrimp, you know, and, and, and what called the uh, crabber, crab. And then you have tomato inside, you have a lot of vegetables and herb, and it's a lot of fermented, uh, uh, what do you call, uh, shrimp paste. It was amazing good. I was sweating, but the only thing I could concentrate was the noon. And I was eating, eating, and I didn't you know, care. We were sitting on small chairs and sweating a lot, but it was the best bowl of noon I ever had and then feeling that you're home, but even though people don't understand you. And then secondly, this uh, fried egg come, and I say, well, this I know, you know, there's no different. I mean, everybody has fried egg and bacon in Europe. But the way they serve it, you know, it was like a, uh, still frying on the, 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 the pan. And then they put all this chili, they put the green salad with the vinegar inside. It was so fresh. And in a way, it's, you know, something you know, but how can it taste so good? amazing and then I decide I want to eat and I was not picky anymore I mean in the United States I was still but then in Vietnam I just gave up when you go there you have to try so I mean, some of the most crazy thing I have tried is actually in Vietnam when I was young <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about when you were a flight attendant you know going back and forth and do you think that that helped you become a restaurateur in certain ways in terms of the skills that you acquire having to deal with neurotic people 30,000 feet above? I would tell you, I didn't know I was a feminist until I became flight attendant. <laughs> it's the most, what do you call, sexist, I mean, the way they think about women is horrible. I mean, it was interesting. I didn't choose to be flattened because I dreamt about it, but I couldn't find any job and I didn't speak French. So it was the only job that I thought it was interesting enough to take then I could travel. But it's the worst four years of my life. It's very hard. People don't know how hard it is to be a flight attendant. People think they are good looking, but they work hard because when you are up very high, Everything is much more heavy. People are much more stressed when they're afraid. They get more aggressive. Uh, most of the pilot at that time was male, and they are the most, what are called, uh, macho I ever met. And the flight attendants, some of them really allowed them to because you, know, you choose the job, and in a way, this is some of the dream, and they accept it. 
when I came first time and I was in trainee and I was in Zurich, uh, it was actually a Swiss company, Swiss Air, and it was Corsair. And in Zurich was a, uh, a captain from Zurich. And he came in, and when you're trainee, you all knew, so he looked at me, he didn't say hello. He say, coffee black without milk and sugar. And I look at him and say, I'm smiling, say, I'm sorry, how are you? What is it? I didn't understand your German English. <laughs> and he say, he look at me, coffee, black. And he repeated slowly, like I'm so stupid. And I look at him and say, well, and then the flight uh, at uh, the cabins, he looked at me and he say, you need to understand this culture. That was one thing. And then uh, I was looking at this guy and say, well, I have to teach him how to behave. <laughs> so, and you know, raising up in Denmark, in a country with, with a female that are very strong, you don't, you don't, you know, there's no bullshit. <laughs> so I just went into the cabin with a coffee for him. And it was Nescafe at that time. So I put like just a little bit of water and three bags of coffee. <laughs> and I stirred up and he drank it and we didn't, we wasn't, it wasn't take off yet. And he spit the coffee all over the, you know, called the, the yeah. <laughs> and it took like 20 minutes to clean up that. And we were delayed and he just looked at me. <laughs> and he said to the medical cabin, I will never see her in here again. And I said, you know what? Not all flight attendants can make coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I became famous. So all the captains, they don't dare to ask me for coffee or service anymore. And this is, you know, you say, well, okay, I can serve for you, but it's not, not the way you want it. <laughs> but you know, that in a way to show, I mean, somebody has to do it. Of course, other girls have been doing different things, but I think it's like, you know, no way. And I found it very hard to work there because you have to look good. You have to have uh, this uh, uniform. You need to have wear a short dress, very short, very tight. And then the demand is that always uh, lipsticks and uh, makeup on. And I hate makeup. I hate to have lipstick. And you see, I have big lips. And my problem is that actually when I put lipstick, my, my lips become very big. <laughs> So I told the medicabine I cannot have uh, lipstick and she said, well, you have to. And I said, well, you have to go with me and I can put it on and you can see what happened. And I was in the, the business class and I put lipstick like the other girl, you know, red color. And within five minutes and you see how the world is made at that time of thinking of woman and, you know, flight attendant. I got like 10 visit cards and a card say, uh, you can meet me at this, this is my hotel number. And that's the way it does. And that, since then, she said, well, uh, you are the only one who allowed not to wear lipsticks. <laughs> but it's very difficult. And some, how can you change it? Either you can say, stop, I don't want to be a part of this, or you can do your way, or you can... But you still have to earn money. So yes, I work hard, hard very hard, and I deliver what I should, but I never accept really the way they think of a female. And that's when I decided, when I go everywhere in Europe, and I ate through all Europe, that I will never work for somebody else. I want to be my own boss. I want to work in a country that has respect for women. And I knew after living in the United States, in Vietnam, and in France, that the only place for me was actually Scandinavian and Denmark. We have everything. We have the most perfect world. And if everybody say, why are we happy? Yes, look, and you can make it.
Thanks so much to An Lee, who let us hang out in her garden for a long afternoon, opened up her home, and shared her story with us. Thanks so much to Lars Hennerskopf Eriksson, our Munchies Denmark editor, and to Phil Domhofsky, our incredible podcast producer. Copenhagen, the wonderland of foraged food and open-faced fish sandwiches that you are, I'm very sad to leave you. Be sure to check back in two weeks when we'll be back in the U.S. and gearing up for the holidays. So until then, get all of our delicious Munchies content over at munchies.tv. Hit us up at Munchies on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, too. And if you like the show, show us some love by rating it on iTunes, because it actually does help us out. I'm Helen Holliman. I'll see y'all soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.